Hi, everybody. Welcome to Askler. My name is Graham, and with me this round is Cameron. Hello. And Ian. I'm your young male child. It's my your large, boy. It's my your boy. My large adult son. Uh, <laughs> and we are here to uh, to answer answer your questions. Uh, Askler, like everything that we do, is brought to you directly by you and your kind support of our Patreon at patreon.com slash loadingreadyrun uh, or here on the YouTube channel by the YouTube memberships. And indeed, these questions come exclusively from YouTube members. Uh, obviously, it's here for everybody to watch, but if uh, you want to become a YouTube member to ask questions for the Askler, you can head over to our community page uh, on the channel, and that's where uh, Heather will be posting the monthly Q&A threads. And uh, we switch it up every month. If you haven't seen one of these before, this month it's just myself and Cameron and Ian, and uh, we're going to go through a bunch of uh, a, bu a bunch of your pressing questions. So let's get cracking. Mm -hmm. First up, Antimuffin asks, Graham, that's me. Hello. MKBHD, which is a great tech YouTube channel, which you should check out if you're interested in watching reviews of cool tech, recently did an interview where he compared being a content creator to being an octopus, where you're doing a lot of jobs at once. And he said that hiring people was like cutting off arms, letting other people do things that you used to do yourself. As LRR has grown and changed, which arms have you safely distributed and which ones do you have left? So I love his analogy. I, I watched that video as well, because um, he's talking about how, you know, how he started, like you can go way back and when he's like, I don't know. I don't know how young he was in his early videos, but he's basically a child <laughs> and it's just him in like his mom's living room or whatever, filming stuff initially. And now he's got this amazing studio with like, you know, a huge staff and everything. Uh, and so it's, uh, uh, I've uh, briefly fell into the void there. Sorry. Uh, it's, um, it's, I can I can understand sort of the uh, the the parallels there. Um, I think the octopus analogy is is fairly reasonable. Luckily, um, I mean even at the very beginning, it uh, there was always uh, uh, there was always Paul who was handling a lot of the more technical focused stuff. You know, like website things early on. Now a lot of the streaming tech. In fact, he's here with us now, running Askler. Um, so luckily, uh, you know, there's that. Um, it's it's funny. It's like I uh, one of the reasons it's been so difficult for me, and I'll admit that that it's been difficult for me to uh, lose those appendages is that uh, most of them I like to do. <laughs> it's just there's too many of them. <laughs> um, you know, even now I still do a lot of different uh, things. Certainly in this past year, um, I'd gotten a lot better about. <laughs> about delegating just before lockdown and then it was like oh no now what um i think the biggest thing is probably merchandise um mm -hmm. we brought b john as a business manager about a year. i mean now i have no concept of time some some time ago um a couple of years ago now i suppose and um uh, obviously i'm still involved with that and i talk with beach about it and we're like what are we going to do do we, what sort of merch thing, what should it look like? Who should we ask to do the art for it? That kind of thing. And then, 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 it, then it just occurs, uh, which is great. So it's like, I'm, it's, I'm involved in exactly the way I want to be, which is just going, I think it should be this goodbye. So, so that's nice. Um, <laughs> but I mean, like, 
editing, I still do a crap ton of editing, which I enjoy very, very much. But thankfully, we had a meeting, you know, even last night about the next uh, pre pre release where it's like, all right, team of editors, who's doing this video? Who's doing this video? Who's doing that video? And so it's, uh, it's, it's, it's been nice. I think uh, it's, uh, uh, the, the, I, I still have, I still have the little arms and it, so it was less painful to remove the, I'm trying to make this analogy work and it's not quite, not quite getting there. I think the most apt thing about this analogy that I like is a, it's an octopus. So it means when you cut off an arm, it regrows and that means you get to try out new things. Yeah. We're, we're creating some pretty terrifying Cronenberg sea monsters here. Um, mm -hmm. but we all work together well, and I think that's the important part. <laughs> all right, next question. Harold Price says, pick a Star Trek series, one actor stays, the rest get replaced by the Muppets. Someone want to start in on this one? Deep Space Deep Nine? Nine. Okay, oh I love God. that you both went for Deep Space Nine. Oh no, okay, um, okay, you first, Ian? Cam. Oh, all right. Okay, you would need to start a couple of seasons in, but I, I think I'm going to, I'm going to lay odds on what I think Ian's is going to be. And I'm going to go with a different one. Okay. Okay. Wayun. <laughs> and just have Wayun be like, oh, everyone's an idiot except for me. I'm just trying to take over this entire quadrant of the galaxy. And they keep like, <laughs> Wayun's very bad day. Oh, I think would wow. be an interesting concept for Star That's Trek. That's beautiful, and I love it. Because <laughs> I think the, the, the probably best answer is Garrick. Hmm. <laughs> right? Garrick. Who's also just having a very bad day for a very long time. Okay, I, I want to hear Ian's deep, I hear I, deep Space Nine suggestion, because I also have really a Deep Space Nine suggestion. My, mine is, let's set the stage as well. So, first episode of Deep Space Nine. Mm -hmm. The Enterprise is docked at Deep Space Nine. And uh, we open up on Cole Meany uh, receiving his his transfer papers, and he's walking off the ship of the Enterprise and on to Deep Space Nine, where every living creature is made of felt. <laughs> and he just blinks a couple times, looks around, and just keeps going. Yep. Uh, yeah, that was also... I was going to start with Next Generation. That That is... I know the question was not to go through every series, but... Uh, you know, when you think of when you think of next gen, I think one of the obvious answers that would be great is just next generation, but retain Patrick Stewart, right? Mm -hmm. But on Deep Space Nine, I think Cisco is much better served as a Muppet, and I I agree with you that I think Chief O'Brien would be so good on Deep Space Nine, just trying to keep trying to keep the station together with all these Muppets. I it. It's a fun question, right? Because it, it immediately centers one character, but the live action characters in the Muppets aren't necessarily the main character. Exactly. Right? Yeah. So um they're the they're they're usually the locus of the story in one way or another. Mm -hmm. But they're not the the you know, it's always Kermit who's the star. Um but I think it I, I just really enjoy the weird perspective it would offer. Right? Like if you went with TNG and kept Brent Spiner and turned everyone else into Muppets, mm -hmm. that implies a lot about how Data sees the world. <laughs> <laughs> right? Like, do DS9 and retain Kira, like, retain Nana Visitor. That'd be great, and, too. 
suddenly all of Starfleet and all, everyone else in the galaxy who isn't a Bajoran is a Muppet, right? <laughs> and she's just like, uh, uh, I'm trying to explain. I'll, I'll try explaining it again. Okay, let's try this. Like, I think you could cycle through almost everyone in the main cast of the show and you get like a different interesting interpretation. Mm -hmm. I'd also like to see Next Generation with just Worf, like just Michael Dorn. Because mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. it, again, it's like, <laughs> it's all these Muppets and this Klingon. I mean, yeah. then you have to do it with Neelix. Which I was, really I had thought about Neelix. Ooh, when I was okay. thinking about Voyager, I was like, who would you do in Voyager? Would it be Neelix? I don't know seven seven of nine seven maybe 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 harry kim i, I just oh. really do want to see a chakotay puppet i think it would have to be harry kim because he actually has that like <laughs> the like kind of very put upon semi ineffectual character he reminds me a lot of scooter actually yep. yeah but, but a human a human scooter <laughs> wow <laughs> wow uh, is, does Harry Kim's uncle own Starfleet? I just watched the other day. I just watched uh, rewatched. I don't remember when I would have seen it originally, but the the first episode of the Muppet Show, mm -hmm. uh, when everyone is like, everyone's still. It's very rough around the edges, you know, like early Simpsons, right? When it's like, right, right. Uh, everyone's not quite on on style guide yet who is this right? character still just feeling out the edges yeah miss piggy looks particularly disturbing Ooh. uh and it's just sort of like is that miss piggy or is that a different is that a different pig what is what's going on here and it, yeah and that's the that's the episode yeah where scooter is like yeah we should get my dog in the show it's my uncle's favorite pet oh, okay yeah my you know my uncle who owns the theater and kermit's like oh great sure fine go ahead <laughs> it's a what, what an odd show you know what so this is the brief aside. Uh, it was bugging me, so I had to look it up. And uh, uh, indeed, there there was no live audience at any point in the Muppet Show. Okay, they didn't even air the edited. They didn't even like film it and then air the edited versions for a live audience. It's pure laugh track, and it's just like, wow. And um, I thought this was a really interesting quote from Jim Henson. Was that he uh, he put a special together one of their Muppet specials and put it together and didn't have the laugh track and was pretty upset that adding the laugh track notably made it funnier. Oh. <laughs> he was like, I don't, it's, it's, it bothers me that this works. You know, it was one right, of those things. Right. Well, I mean, like, I guess in a show that's as much about artifice as the Muppet show is mm. right. Having even the audience be, a construct yeah says something mm -hmm. i could write a paper <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh let's move on to the next question what a great question that was by the way uh, sean riley says what other british show concepts like taskmaster should we expect to see paid homage to in the future <laughs> that's a great question i don't know you know what's funny is i had barely watched any taskmaster when we when we filmed the ask master sequence but i it's such a compelling concept that i was like mm -hmm. no I, yeah we should definitely do this actually the funnier thing is the participants um uh ian had watched you've watched a fair chunk of taskmaster I, I, it was a single season that i'd come off of when i actually uh, suggested the the uh, the concept and it was uh, just because it seemed like this is something we could put together quite easily yeah um alex and serge 
I think, had never heard of it. Kathleen had watched maybe half an episode over my shoulder. And I don't recall Beej's, uh uh, exposure to the show or not, but I just I just think it was kind of funny because you don't need to know the show. The point is, right? You can just <laughs> you can just do it. I suppose perhaps Alex never having seen it before uh, is <laughs> is why he interpreted it so literally. But I was very clear, right? I, I mean, there was all this is a this is a an aside, but there was all the different GoPros, right? And I I told I, I told every person I'm setting up a bunch of cameras around the office. Don't worry about that. You are not required or obliged to go to places that I have put cameras. But that does suggest that you can. Right, <laughs> so, yes. you know, there's there's sort of sort of an inbuilt hint there. I just didn't want people to to be like, oh, he put a, he put a camera in the prop room. I need to go yeah. in. Most people actually didn't know I had a camera in the prop room. So you can't explicitly tell people, hey, bend the rules because yeah. then people mm -hmm. just go right off the rails. Yeah, exactly. Um, anyway. Uh, I don't know, actually. Plenty I'd like to do. I mean, we, we already have one, and that's Tinker Tailor's Solder Fry, which is, mm -hmm. in fact, a direct reference to James May's Reassembler series. Oh, right. Part, part of the inspiration for that. The UK and Japan just have better television. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's well, yeah, two, like... you mentioned Artifice uh, about the Muppet Show mm -hmm. thing. There's so much Artifice on uh, American um reality not uh, reality tv is the wrong kind of thing like obviously for you know the the dramatic uh reality shows obviously there is but even for stuff like uh the masked singer or things like that like there's so much everything is very particularly crafted you know i watched an episode because i'd never actually seen this until the comments on taskmaster were like what's next loading ready run does eight of ten cats does countdown <laughs> and I know that James had been watching it. And so I went to, I watched an episode of eight of 10 cats does countdown. It's just people fucking around for an hour. And it's like, you <laughs> would never get this greenlit on North American television. They, they, they are terrified at the prospect of just allowing funny people to be funny and having faith that that will be entertaining. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, everything has to be meticulously planned and it is to the detriment of, of their television. So I think that's why we're sort of drawn to, to media from other continents <laughs> in that way. But I, I can't agree. think of a specific UK TV series that I'm like champing at the bit to do. Well, yeah, like I, I wanted to talk about this question because like I basically agree with you that we draw on kind of a rich tradition of English um, kind of lumpy human beings being entertaining for you yeah. without mm -hmm. a lot of structure mm -hmm. right whether it's it's the pythons or whether it's it's top gear or mm -hmm. um yeah or or uh the tradition of the quiz quiz show or panel show um and it's weird to think of something that started as in like the 70s <laughs> as a tradition <laughs> yeah and here we are right um i don't know i just like the the unstructured um uh and unvarnished feeling of of English television. Mm -hmm. And it extends to, like, I think that some of the better stuff on North American TV in that sort of, in that live air quotes unscripted realm is the late night shows. And even then, mm. on, those are so much more, um, so much more regimented than 
than they are in the UK, where Graham Norton literally gets people soused. <laughs> it probably yeah. has a lot to do with the idealism of American individualism. Mm. Well, and, and I also realize I referred to Top Gear as like, you know, a rough around the edges series when it's probably one of the most slickly produced <laughs> television series that, you know, a global empire has ever produced. But yeah. but again, putting all of that effort into making it feel like it's just still a little bit rough around the edges, but in a hmm. very contained way. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I don't know, I don't have any specific answer, but uh, it's, I, I guess that's a thesis as to why we keep doing that sort of thing. <laughs> uh, next up, Daniel White asks, when it's possible again, I'd like to visit Canada, partly inspired by the beautiful scenery and road quest. What are the top three Canadian things I should see or experience on my trip? So here's the thing is that I haven't actually seen a lot of Canada myself um mm. i've been i've driven as far west as or as far east pardon me i've driven as far east as eastern alberta and then i've also visited toronto and that's about it right yeah. um so i i can very strongly recommend the rockies right like the rocky mountains uh probably the Icefields parkway that particular drive in the Rocky Mountains, if I had to be really specific about it, uh, is stunning. Like that's an area, like we didn't, on Road Quest, we didn't go through the Rockies. We went up the Coast Mountain Range. Uh, and that's just like, there's a reason that people come from all over the world to cram onto tour buses and go up the Rocky Mountains. Um, but that's, that's the only thing that I can sort of like recommend in particular. I think that, honestly, I think that uh, Vancouver and Victoria in this realm as a tourist I think that this is this area is also particularly gorgeous and for again for a, someone who doesn't for someone who hasn't grown up having to do this particular trip out of necessity the ferry ride from Vancouver to Victoria is mm. very very pretty <laughs> um, I understand Montreal is very nice <laughs> there are parts of Ottawa that I really enjoyed when I visited yeah I, I really liked Ottawa a lot um I've, I've only been about as far east as Ottawa, mm. which is still, and this is important to remember, central Canada. Yes. Right. We living out here in British Columbia, think of, you know, central Canada as being like Saskatchewan, Manitoba, but there's, that's like half the country, barely. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, Ontario and Quebec are central Canada because that's where our economic and uh, population kind of centers of gravity are. Uh, but actually dealing with the question, um, I live here and it's hard for me to like see it from the interior, right? Mm. You when, when you live in a place, it's hard to think of like, oh, you know, what's particularly pretty because it's a very pretty country and it depends kind of what you're into. I really recommend like Lake Louise or Jasper yeah. in the Rockies as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, Jasper's I great. Jasper's like... Up a smaller, um, less aggressively tourist focused Banff. Yes. <laughs> um, the mountains are spectacular. The coastal rainforest are spectacular. Um, even God, it, like the prairies, if you've never seen a prairie storm, I mm. highly recommend finding a prairie storm, like a lightning storm and just sitting in the middle of it. Mm. Um, cause that's, that's a hell of a thing. Um, and it, it depends what you're into. 
it's a big country. We do a lot of things very well. Uh, mm -hmm. If you want to see the Aurora, we have that. If you want to do a desert badlands, we have that. It even has dinosaurs. A lot of them. Asterisk. Um, the, going to the Chateau in, in Quebec, the Chateau Frontenac is super cool. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It depends what you're into, but odds are we have it. I actually wanted to take this question and take and, and turn it in a different direction. We've been talking mm -hmm. a lot about natural formations and the, the, the natural, the natural beauty of Canada. Yeah. And uh, I thought, well, I mean, what are the things I should see or experience on my trip that are Canadian? Well, what's one of the things that's almost uniquely Canadian? If you can, find yourself an outdoor hockey game to go see. Oh, yeah. NHL yeah. or otherwise. But I don't think there's anything more quintessentially... This is not a personal endorsement. I don't like hockey or the outdoors. But <laughs> I understand that it is it is a, a, a cultural experience. <laughs> I love... I, I... I love that. I, I appreciate that suggestion too. Like, look, I don't like hockey or the outdoors or wooden sticks or people, but you know, it's extremely popular for a reason. So yeah, I mean, going to a sporting event is kind of cool. I don't, yeah. I don't sports very often, but even just being in a bar with a bunch of people watching a playoff game, mm -hmm. there's, there's some kind of an undeniable energy to it. The, the, w one of the things I'm, uh, sad that I haven't done in my two trips to Japan that I intend to rectify whenever I get back there is, uh, going to, going to a baseball game. Mm. I, I could not give less of a shit about baseball. <laughs> Do not care. But apparently Japanese baseball games, uh, are just a blast. Uh, like people just apparently just like the, the crowd and everything is just like, it's a whole, it's a whole thing. Also, ideally, uh, I get to support a team called the Ham Fighters. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. The Nippon yeah. Ham Fighters. Sorry, the Nippon Ham <laughs> Fighters. Okay. But they're the, it's, yeah, they're the, 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 the Nippon Ham is their, is the team sponsor. sponsor. So they're the right, Nippon right. Ham Fighters. But when you write it down, it's, it's the Nippon Ham Fighters. Anyway, um, uh, do not underestimate also the size of Canada. Yes. Uh, yeah. we've, we've, we've suggested things that are uh, thousands of, kilometers away from one another. Um, you cannot, as a friend of a friend once she, she, her parents were coming to visit from England. I think it was, that's generally the problem when someone comes to visit from Europe and they were like, well, we'll come visit you in Victoria. You know, we'll do, you know, we'll do like an afternoon in Toronto. And it's like, nah, uh, uh. <laughs> mm. you need to, you check the legend on that map you're looking at. <laughs> you are doing an afternoon in Toronto while you have breakfast in Victoria. That's how time zones work. Yeah. Yeah. You will, uh, it is flying from London to Toronto is a shorter distance than that's... flying from Toronto to Victoria. <laughs> that's a good point. And you get to fly over second London. <laughs> yeah. All right. We've got a couple of different questions from Mr. Twanzel here. Uh, the first one for me is Graham, how did it come to pass that you and Beej started doing mail time? I don't, I honestly don't remember, uh, cause I was doing mail time as like an insert in loading time, the, which was like our just behind the scenes thing. And then it got too much. And so we spun it out into its own thing. And then I think it was just like, Beege is around like reliably. Uh, how about you'd sit in with me and then it can be two of us and that'll be, we'll be able to do a banter that'll be better and then it was just like yep that's me and beach i 
I, I honestly don't know if there was more to it than that. Could not tell you, but that's how it is. So uh, perhaps an unsatisfactory answer, but there you go. Uh, Mr. Twanzel has another question for Cameron Ian, which is how did your post-Christmas stream of quietly enjoying a book happen? Well, um, I, I think a Cameron and Ian Christmas was Ian's suggestion. Mm -hmm. uh, and did it happen the same year that Nick Offerman did his? I believe it did actually. Like it was like lightning striking twice. Yeah. <laughs> it just seemed like a good idea to uh, do and we kept doing it. Yeah. And then one year I brought a book and I enjoyed reading a book on it because it seemed like the correct energy for that kind of experience. But Ian does not. Ian is a man of singular focus. It's, it's, I find it an amazingly meditative experience. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the thing that weirds me out is people refer to it as disapproving dads. And it's just like a neutral expression <laughs> that we have. Right. I think that says more about them than it does about you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like what, what do you read into somebody just sitting like quietly? <laughs> You can't be held responsible for somebody else's Kuleshov effect if they look yeah, at a neutral, right, exactly. if they look at a neutral <laughs> expression on a man and go, "That man's disappointed in me." Yeah, it's like <laughs> oh, I don't know, I don't know. Maybe you're disappointed in you. <laughs> somebody needs a drink, and it's not the people in the camera. Mister <laughs> <laughs> uh, Twanzel also asks, "Does LRR provide lunch for those working that day? And if yes, what are the most popular choices?" So I thought this would be interesting to talk about. So. Uh, do we provide lunch? Generally not, because, uh, you know, it's mostly it's just everyone eats at different times and there's it's not consistent when people are around. On Loading Ready Live days when we were all in the office, because because that's like a, everyone shows up here and works straight through. Mm -hmm. Then on days like that, or if we're doing a particularly involved shoot, then we'll then then the company will do will do lunch for that. But I thought this would be more interesting as an answer of like, what sort of things we like for lunch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, um, yeah. Yeah. The, the loading ready lunches that I, I generally enjoy the most are, um, there, there's like a totally fine burrito place, Mexican mm -hmm. place that we order in from, uh, and they're great for when you just want a log of food. Yeah. Yeah. Right. The, the burritos from, uh, La Tequisa are, you know that they have a lot of vegetarian variety which counts a lot for me um mm -hmm. there's three different mexican places fairly close like physically fairly close to one another actually i think taco fino might have moved but anyway mm -hmm. um and they all honestly i like all three of them i think they all do different things very very well mm -hmm. um but everything from uh la taqueria which is mostly the small tacos is uh, small and impossibly messy, like way messier than something of that size should be delicious, yeah. but you know, <laughs> weird. Uh, and then the, all you can get really from Taco Fino, despite the name, not all you can get, but generally what you get from Taco Fino is the, uh, the burritos that are the size and density of a white dwarf star. Hmm. Uh, so we go for the, 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 the other option that I has more variety, uh, I think. Uh, and, uh, so everyone can sort of get the, get the, 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 the arrangement of Mexican food that, that they, that they desire. I'm going to jump off the Mexican train here actually for a second, because I want to talk a bit about Fujia. 
that we go mm. to sometimes. And I think that's actually uh, shown up on stream. There's a, uh, mm -hmm. a great Japanese grocer in town uh, that uh, has a trays of, your, your trays of sushi or uh, your trays of salad, tonkatsu bowls. But my favorite thing from them is this $6 bento set mm. that comes with a rice ball, two pieces of chicken, a small salad, some pieces of fish cake, uh, two pieces of California roll sushi, pickles. It's everything you want. Uh, for very low cost and it's a i look forward to those days actually when we get them for lunch so yeah, i'm a, that, oh sorry oh, go, Cam, go, go ahead. ahead graham all right i'm gonna i'm gonna burst i'm gonna kool-aid man through the wall here with a hot take ian which is that uh and i think i've mentioned this before i think that uh sakura grocery mm -hmm. uh i don't know if it's because of the volume that fujia has to deal with in these days but sakura groceries um sushi uh like pre-made sushi fridge is it's just better their quality the quality of like their onigiri one-to-one -one, sakura mm -hmm. no question i i completely agree on that but, oh. but everything <laughs> right. in one bento is really great great that's fair that's fair they do you i think you can order bentos from sakura i think okay. who by the way just opened a an offshoot uh down on lower johnson called oni onigiri because it, it's like a Oni, the devil, right? So it's like mm -hmm. devil onigiri, where it's just, I think it's just, it's like an onigiri stand. Anyway. It's going to be very good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I'm excited about that. Sorry, Cam, what were you saying? Oh, I was just going to say that uh, Fujiya's veggie bento, also very good. Mm. Mm -hmm. A couple of spring rolls, um, I think a cucumber roll, um, rice, pickles. It's recommended. Yeah, there's also a place we go to reasonably frequently called um, Bold Butchery, which is a it's a butcher shop, but they do lunches as well, and they they do a, a shawarma wrap. And they recently, I say recently, it was probably over a year ago, they introduced a, a poutine. Mm -hmm. um, so it's just this enormous pile of fries, correctly cheese curds, um, a delicious gravy that they make, and you can get it with the uh, with the the chicken um, that they they do it's it's very good i have a feeling this is not going to be the last time we mentioned bold butchery today yeah the uh th their falafel is really good it's very herbaceous mm -hmm. Best uh, run down. yeah easily uh question from elaster 93 says is there a game developer bonus points for any small indie firm that you would buy a new game from sight unseen ian yeah i i i just like talking about this question because I've I've been thinking about it recently uh, because because of the uh, games that I've been playing and the two games that I'm playing the most of are from studios that I would give money to sight unseen Bungie I mean although now you don't have to give them money sight unseen all the time but that would have been the number one question yeah now it's Ryu Gagotoko Studios I think I've played enough of their games that the people behind the Yakuza series ah. That makes sense. And the spin-offs, which are also still just great story character pieces with spread of emotion, emotional range. I've never had a disappointing time with a Ryu Gotoku game. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. I only just started dipping my toe in with Yakuza 0. And what a what an odd game, a wonderful yeah, very odd game. Nothing else like it. <laughs> no, no, it's like it's like you're gonna be a you're a hard bitten yakuza underling who gets 
you know, framed or whatever for something and you have to fight your way back in. But before you do all of that, uh, this There's 18 hours of everything else that you can possibly do, including yeah. property management, uh, hostess club activities, playing video games, karaoke, small dancing, engine repair, um, uh, miniature car circuit track racing. It's uh, like an ITT tech ad from the, uh, from the 80s. Yeah, yeah, Get yeah. Get your degree in. Get your degree in <laughs> helping uh, someone shut down a, a ring of panty sellers. They don't take much convincing. It's like, you shouldn't, you shouldn't do this. What would your parents think? <laughs> Deprogram people from cults. Yeah, that one. That was a weird one. Yeah. <laughs> Beat up enormous men. <laughs> And all these things with a light attitude. Oh yeah, it's all very, very light. It's yeah. super fun. <laughs> Highly recommend. Um, who? I, why can't I remember the name of it? Um, what's the company? What made? What made Hades? Oh, uh, Supergiant. Supergiant. Yes. Everything Supergiant makes is pretty great. Yeah, yeah. I hard to say no to any of their titles. I, I was trying to think of like all of the indie games that I've really enjoyed in the last few years. And then looking through their back catalog to find out what, you know, what else they have made. And if there's anyone I would buy games from sight unseen. And the closest I came was, Oh, the developer of, of heaven's vault Inc. Uh, 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 um, Inkle. Ah, but they've also done like a bunch of other games where I'm just like, nah, I don't know if this is for me. Right. Um, so unfortunately, like, well, unfortunately, but like, I don't know if there's any indie developers that always get my money. Um, but from soft mm. is probably like a large <laughs> studio that I'm probably going to buy their games. Yeah. That time. tracks. Um, Bungie as well. Yeah. Agreed. Um, Everything that, yacht club games has made i've enjoyed but it's just shovel knight and all ancillary shovel knight productions they've all been great but it's just shovel knight um like i mean i'm probably gonna buy games from team cherry <laughs> right hollow knight was really good yeah um i'm i'm looking forward to silk song uh mm -hmm. but that's kind of their that's their catalog um, what about, oh, um, uh, brain, 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 um, uh, they made war game and, uh, 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 Eugen studios. Eugen. Yeah. Oigen. Uh, they make, um, RTSs kind of that ah. are extremely anorak. Like, <laughs> If you're a tank watcher, right, you're going to, these are for deep nerds who care about like the penetration value on a, on a, a mm. British 17 pounder tank cannon. Like there's Excellent. no way, no way that would have hit. Right. Yet right. it did. RTS yet it did. RTS is heavy simulation. Yeah. Uh, you know, if, if you care very much for what the loitering time is for a de Havilland mosquito <laughs> over the battlefield, um, then these are the games for you. Ah, de Havilland. Great. All right. Moving on. 
You all, uh, this is from Thomas Hederman, Hederman. Uh, you are all pretty familiar with tabletop role-playing games. Are there any settings that you find incredibly interesting or fun to play in? What about any homebrew settings that you have created or played in? Uh, Cameron, I think. Uh, I really, really want to play in Eclipse Phase. Oh yeah, you've been talking is... about Eclipse Phase for years. Hmm. Yeah, uh, Eclipse Phase, if you're not familiar with it, is a post-apocalyptic science fiction setting set in, um, you know, it's it's a space-faring human civilization that is, uh, you know, distributed throughout the solar system and has recently barely won a war against its rogue AIs. Oh, good. We we survived, and it's not entirely clear whether we actually won the war or whether the AIs, the the uh, they're called Titans, just decided to leave. Hmm. <laughs> Um, don't love that yeah and That's so there's, there's fewer than a billion humans left alive Ooh. in the solar system um humanity like the 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 former human states don't exist anymore earth is an uninhabitable wasteland um and it's it's kind of catchphrase is like you know your body is meat change it uh the but the last line is like extinction is coming mm. Right. Um, so how do you deal with the fact that like this could be the last days of humanity or it could be the first days of humanity? Hmm. Um, and you're supposed to be playing agents of an organization called Firewall, but you don't have to. And it's just this wonderfully weird setting of um, like th there's there's a space state. You can re-sleeve your body kind of arbitrarily often. Um, oh, if that. you don't like who you are, you can just change it. And there is one human out there who is a giant space station made out of meat as a living art project. <laughs> and they have a very long name, but I forget what their name is now. <laughs> and oh, I just my. enjoyed that as a concept, right? And it's like, no, this is going to be my body. I'm a living art project. You can come and live inside me. <laughs> yeah, They're right, described right. as, having, sure. as having the texture of flank steak. <laughs> I do love ludicrous sci-fi like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. Yeah, sweet. I think that's that's an answer I would have to give as well. I, I've been eyeing the Lancer system for a while as a is an option to uh, to co-opt that and place it in a few of my favorite uh, pre-existing worlds. But we'll see if that, that how that comes about. Lancer does look really cool. I should I should give that book a a go. Mm -hmm. All right. Thanks, Itch Bundles. Uh, next question from Thomas Putney is to Graham. Any advice for leading a group, creatives or otherwise? I don't know that I have any advice. Like, I don't know if this is advice. Um, uh, you can't tell me what to do, Dad. Yeah, exactly. I don't even know <laughs> if I'm in the right person to, to, be, to dispense advice on this kind of thing. But I can tell you that uh, one of the things that I always try to do is to... Um, I, I try, despite the fact that there is obviously like editorial sign off, uh, on, on most of what we do, right? Like there's like an editor in chief aspect where it's like, uh, you know, like, well, no, no. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to sort of rephrase that. I think it's important that everybody gets to participate and make things that they that they like and 
often I will be, I will sort of steer it, be like, take this, uh, take a, try to take um, just an unbound creative idea and be like, that's awesome. How do we do that? How do we make that? How do we, how do we make your idea come to life? Right? Because right now that's, that's a concept that is, you know, unfilmable or is just like a cool concept. How do we then like, how do we crystallize that and make it be a thing? Um, but something that's come up during like, you know, like loading ready live things, for example, is, um, uh, you know, sometimes when we're having those meetings is that I, is, it's been less recently, but I will ask, like, can you explain the, the, can you explain this to me? It's not a requirement that I find a thing funny. I just want to understand hmm. why the person whose idea this is finds it funny, right? And if it's like, okay, I, I, I understand why you find that funny, great, let's do it, right? Because hmm. if, if, if it's like, okay, I've had this, like, had this great idea and it's like, why? And there's, they can't articulate that, then, it, then, then I have trouble sort of getting on board. Mm -hmm. But even if I don't personally find it funny, that's okay, because comedy is very subjective, and I, I like to think that we present a a consistent but varied mm -hmm. <laughs> platter of comedy to you. Uh, as long as as long as I can understand why that person thinks it's funny, then that then that's enough, you know. And um, uh, I think I think Ian in particular has had a lot of <laughs> very fascinating uh <laughs> suggestions on on episodes of loading ready live to be fair i was completely on board for the cat ass suggestion oh. that was not something that needed defending <laughs> that did it needed a lot of explaining but not necessarily explaining, defending. not defending yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> um i don't know it's i i i think it's really it, if you don't if you don't allow if you don't want your team to have input and to bring their own thing to the table, then why do you have a team? Right? Like if, hmm. like if, if I didn't get joy from all of the creative suggestions that everybody else brings to the table, then, then I should like, I should just, I don't know, hire editors to do exactly what I say. Right. That's not the point. That's never been the point. Right. Like I, uh, I, I have a lot of ideas and I desperately want to get all those ideas out of there. But a lot of the time I think it's important to just act as a conduit for other people's ideas to be like, I totally see where, what this idea is. And let's, let's now figure out how to make that, how to make that happen. Uh, because if that's, it's, we're very collaborative. I try to be very collaborative. And obviously there's points where that has to, where it's like, at some point, someone has to be like, okay, this doesn't work or we need to try and do it mm -hmm. this way. And maybe that's not always even the best way to do it, which is fair. Um, but I think that it's important to, uh, respect you just got to respect everybody. That's just, that's, I guess the advice, just respect other people. Cause otherwise, otherwise you're not, otherwise it's not a group. It's just like, it's, it's a, it's just like you and some peons, which was, was never something I'm interested in doing. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I mean, 
I always feel supported and respected here. So that's, you know, I'm very encouraged to hear that. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's not a thing I can say about a lot of employment opportunities I've had or a lot of places where I've worked. Um, I feel the same way. So, yeah, no, I, yeah. I, I really appreciate that leadership style. Honestly, it's great. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you. Leaders to me have been people who get problems out of the way of the people doing the work and you've done a, an admirable job in that. Awesome. Well, thank you. I really appreciate that. Um, now there was a follow-up question, an unrelated follow-up question from the same person that said to Ian, I think you would appreciate this recent rhythm gem from Newgrounds with a link to a game on Newgrounds, which obviously we can't. No, can't show that, but do I do want here. to let them know that I did have a look at it. It's a great game. You'll probably see it on Rhythm Cafe. And if anyone out there has suggestions for rhythm games, uh, check a Rhythm Cafe VOD on YouTube and there's a link to suggest games for us there ah just wanted to let the people at home know about that i mean this is half a troll suggestion but i'd love to see you take on sekiro as a rhythm game because it actually does provide those cues for you right really? the interface is like this is what is coming up and this is when you hit the parry button huh, huh. and it's much more explicit about that than any of the other souls than like dark souls I haven't yeah. played Sekiro yet, but it's on the list. So yeah, that sounds like that <laughs> Just, might be a fun thing if, to do. If you've got a blank space, right? Hmm. Uh, Thomas continues, Cameron, I really appreciate your dark comedy. Do you and the others have any favorite pieces of black humor? Um, yeah, uh, absolutely, right? Like my parents actually introduced me to a lot of very black comedies when I was probably too young for some of them. Mm. Um, mm. But they, they are tickled by these, and so I kind of grew up being fascinated by them. I remember watching um, The Fisher King mm. with my parents when I was very young. And that is, like, Terry Gilliam is a, is a garbage man, unfortunately. But The Fisher King has a lot of resonance for me. Mm -hmm. um, and I cribbed heavily from it for, for First Law. Um, and that is a movie that with with like Robin Williams, and it begins and it and uh, has a, a massacre as its centerpiece. Um, but it's also like very funny and touching. Then like, I I watched Catch Twenty Two as well when I was quite young, and that's a very black comedy about how you navigate being in a war. Mm. Um, and the book is great. If you haven't read the book, I really recommend the book. Even the new miniseries I thought was actually surprisingly good, especially the way it chose to end. Um, Kurt Vonnegut's novels are mm. like another example of very good, not always black comedy, but when he did them, they were very effective. And like, the, I guess the question here is like what, what is a black comedy and a black comedy is something that deals with um a upsetting or disturbing material but does it with kind of like a a, a laugh and that sounds awful right <laughs> it's like you know you, you don't you know you want to treat material seriously yeah but there are some instances where you can treat it um honestly as an absurdity Right. One I think my... the Pythons did that very well. Yes. Actually, there's a lot of a lot of Python sketches I would I would classify in that in that mm -hmm. sort of realm. Certainly dark humor. I don't mind dark humor. I find a lot of one of my first introductions to like a movie that was explicitly like 
oh this is oh this is black comedy was um god what's it called very bad things and oh right yeah I i've heard did, very bad things about that i did not enjoy it uh, everyone i was watching it with was falling about laughing bill especially but then of course you know that was the kind of person bill was um <laughs> uh it was just i f- i found it very upsetting it was very mm-hmm. uncomfortable it was it was it was a comedy but everything that it would it it wasn't played for laughs it was you were just watching a series of awful things happen to people and then like the conclusion of the movie was like was like and everything turned out terribly haha and i was just like i didn't enjoy that i don't that's not uh, and so that sort of put me off the notion for a while but um right things like things like the uh i guess ostensibly it's a sketch series but things like the league of gentlemen again from the uk um Mm -hmm. that's definitely like dark comedy that i quite enjoy more so for like individual moments and the overall structure of league of gentlemen i love the structure of league of gentlemen which was actually i don't know if you ever saw death comes to town um but that was that was a more recent thing where the kids in the hall basically did a season of the league of gentlemen <laughs> it was right, kind of right, right. kind of amazing wow. it was like oh you also watched league of gentlemen oh, i see um so that's that's sort of more in the realm that i i I exist in. I I don't think it's, I don't find it funny or interesting to just watch a bunch of awful things happen. <laughs> yeah, right. And that's that's a very fine line about black comedies is mm-hmm. that they they need to um, actually have a point. Yeah. <laughs> in order yeah. to land IMO, right? That there needs to be a humanity that actually carries through um, yeah. the 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 cruelty. Otherwise, it's just cruelty for the sake of being cruel. I which think... I I don't enjoy, um, and that that's what Vonnegut did so well is that you know his his characters are all vulnerable and and wonderful and caring people who just have, you know this is this is just their life right Billy Pilgrim is un, is unstuck in time and has to like flash back and forth between all these horrible events in his life, um, and that's relatable. Um, but more recently, I think my my favorite have been like, uh, or was the death of Stalin. Ooh, that was very fun. Yeah, which is a madcap comedy about um, the civil and political unrest following the death of of the Soviet dictator Joseph Stalin. I'm I'm really glad you gave that definition off the top though, Cam, because it made me just start to uh, re-examine what I consider a black comedy, mm-hmm. and, because I didn't have an answer off the top of my head for this question, and suddenly now I'm clicking. Oh yeah, no, a lot of what I actually enjoy from Japanese media does qualify under the black comedy. Like most of the works of Ikuhara, I would call uh, the Shoujo Kagami Utena, specifically uh, Mobaru Penguin Drum, would definitely qualify as a black comedy, and they're some of my favorite works uh film wise save the green planet which is a just a weird live action examination of a man who thinks he may or may not be an alien is uh Hmm. and yeah i like i happen to like japanese black comedies now that i know they exist fair enough okay all right next question from noam popper says why are references funny because we like things we remember 
Yeah, because you get out of them what you put into them. They're references and they're very personal, mm -hmm. right? Um, you can kind of project whatever you need onto a reference. And that makes it um, enjoyable for you and you specifically, and it feels private or like a shared um, experience. Yes. And they're very kind of, I don't want to say low effort, because drawing lines between things is one of my favorite activities, right? Making those connections and finding the, the, the um, would it be homologous structures? in various parts the, the 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 pieces of your life where things um line up in unexpected ways mm -hmm. right that can be very rewarding right like oh this reminds me of this this reminds me of this um less so when it's just like hey meme um yeah when you get the the i mean paul and i have been complaining for years about that the run of the movie movies yes uh, which which are just like there's no joke it's just like, it's, look, it's Michael Jackson. Ah, and it's like, that's not, no, no, that's, that's yeah. just, that's just a reference. You're not doing anything with the reference. There's no, <laughs> there was no setup. There was no payoff. There was, it's just like, look, it's thing. That's not yes. funny. Yeah. It's so transgressive. Where, where um, is, go ahead. Where, where, well, thank you. Where does the line uh, come down between, you know, illusion and sparkling reference? Is it just a, a, a matter of time or is it a, mm -hmm. uh, is there, what needs to go in there to make it uh, literally valid, I guess? By the way, referring to anything as sparkling something is still one of my favorite I use that whenever I can. Yeah. Mm -hmm. One of my current favorites as well. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, four, four little words. Why are references funny? And I could write a PhD thesis on it, right? <laughs> like, yeah, they're, they're, short answer. They're funny because they allow the, um, the listener to do all the heavy lifting. And I love that. It's just yeah. like, oh God, chew on this for 30 seconds while I think of a joke. Um, yeah, I mean, there, there, there. Uh, whatever you may think of the 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 show as a whole, um, there have been some, uh, there have been some very good individual moments on Family Guy, and that's the one that it reminds me of. Was I don't even remember what they were referencing, uh, but it was like interviewing someone in an old folks' home and talking. I don't know, maybe it was like Mash or something, you know. But it was just like. It was the entire the entire clip was just someone going, I enjoy things I remember. And that was it, right? And it's like, mm -hmm, it's mm -hmm. like, yeah, yeah, uh, all right. Yeah, I get it. Yeah, yeah. It's like Darmok and Gelada Tanagra, dude. Yeah. yeah. I don't need any more than that. It's, it's a thing I recognize. And it makes me feel good to Temba. be in a space that's familiar to me. His arms wide. Uh, let us go now to our last question for this episode of Askler from Daniel White. What's the best burger you've ever eaten? Homemade, oh. hand-chopped leftover prime rib. Wow. Uh, just double-handed, double-knife, tuckada tuckada, formed into patties, then placed in a sous-vide machine for, I want to say, four hours at 55 degrees centigrade, taken out... Patted dry, then deep fried to uh, add a crisp outer coating to the burger patty itself. 
uh, brioche bun, butter, lettuce, tomato, uh, some form of sauce, maybe dollop of barbecue sauce. At that point, it's just, it's all about, and of course, a slice of, what was that, Swiss? Yes, it was Swiss at the time. That sounds amazing. I haven't recreated it yet, and it's still up here. Wow. Uh, we're, we're very, it's, uh, mine's not going to be as good because mine's <laughs> not homemade. Uh, we're, we're spoiled for choice here in Victoria. We're, we're very lucky. Um, we have a bunch of particularly good, um, burger places. I've got two, um, two different, uh, burger philosophies, um, to, uh, or two different philosophies of burger. Um, uh, cause I think like we have very fancy burger places and we have just like places where you can get a burger. And honestly, one of the best burgers I think we have in town is from a place called Big Wheel and they just make burgers. They're just like, you, it's, it's, it, it puts me in the mind of like what probably what McDonald's was like when it opened that kind of burger. Right. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and it's just, they get they very good buns and they're good burgers and the sauce is tasty. And it's just like, just a cheeseburger from Big Wheel is like, if you have this, you know, like I want a burger and it's like, yes, that is what that is. <laughs> and it, boy, it's good. And then on the other end of things, we have, um, a couple places we have pink bicycle and bin four, which do very fancy burgers. And, uh, the buns at pink bike are amazing, but I honestly, probably one of the best burgers I've ever had from bin four where we, uh, it's where we used to do the pre pre-release, like after dinner things was they always have these feature uh burgers and they had like a thanksgiving burger oh, yeah that was it was so it was a turkey burger but there was like cranberry and stuffing on it and it it might sound weird but just the flavor combination they put together was one of the best hamburgers i've ever had <laughs> and uh it, yeah it's mostly anything from bin four is going to be great but that that was a particularly good one I actually completely misread this question as what is the biggest burger you've ever eaten? I'm <laughs> and uh, I was going to answer with the story of the Sixer, which is not even that impressive, but it's the kind of thing you do when you're 19 and you think that you're impressive. It has a name, um, though. Yeah, which was you go to Burger King and you order a double Whopper with four extra patties with <laughs> cheese and bacon between each one. And uh, this was kind of like a rite of passage among friends of mine well, who initiated me into it. And uh, I got it without mayonnaise because mayonnaise is gross. And in solidarity, the the friends who were like, you have to, if you're going to be friends with us, you have to do this before we can go and watch like Gundam Wing. Um, <laughs> They, they also partook of their Sixers. And I remember after ordering it, they put in their orders and I heard the guy in the kitchen yell, there's another one. <laughs> and this was uh, not the best burger I've ever eaten, but I did eat it. Oof. And I think that counts for something. We, when we used to play D&D in high school, we lived uh, a not a not inconsiderable walk. Not we lived the the place where we played D and D was a not inconsiderable walk from a McDonald's, which would have their like fifty cent 
cheeseburger deals at the time mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and we would have like impossibly long D sessions because we had nothing else to do and so we uh, you know at like 5 p.m or 6 would be like oh all right they got the cheeseburger special on right now let's take a dinner break and we'd go down to mcdonald's and like i know this, this guy alan that i played D <laughs> with was like all right i'll have 22 cheeseburgers yep yeah like and just yeah, uh, doing that um, at a land party, right? Uh-huh. When you're somebody is like, oh, 1 a.m., uh, Wendy's closes in an hour. Everyone get your JBC orders in. And we thought that was like a normal thing to do, right? It's just you show up at, at Wendy's in their drive-thru and order 36 junior bacon cheeseburgers, five without mayonnaise, because mayonnaise is gross. And you assume for some reason that they aren't all spat in because it's just too much spit. You would die. Um but also, yeah, having done the McDonald's thing. Uh, but I, instead of D&D, it was when a friend and I were watching Twin Peaks. That's a lot cooler. <laughs> Amazing. Oh, boy. But yeah, like the McDonald's 50 cent cheeseburgers were responsible for like fueling a lot of teenage boys. Yeah. Right? You're just shoving shoving 50 cent hamburgers into... um the bottomless gut of a 16 year old, like a stoker shoveling coal yeah, into, just... into the, into the furnace of HMS Duke of iron or iron Duke <laughs> at the battle of Hutland. Oh boy. Trickle of cheese runs out of the, uh, out of the hopper. <laughs> out of your tear ducts. <laughs> oh, I have oh. never, I didn't know what a sixer was and I'm kind of sad yeah, that I they're, do now. They're, they're, they're not good. No, they're not good. No, it's I'm not a good, that. It that animal was not honored. <laughs> well, hopefully we have honored these questions uh, with with our answers. Thanks everybody for submitting questions. Again, if you'd like to submit a question for future Askler, uh, you can do so if you are a, a YouTube member. Um, but it's not a requirement, obviously. Uh, please please do follow the channel though if you're if you're watching and aren't already following. And you can also support us uh, on our Patreon patreon.com slash loading ready run but that is going to do it for this episode of askler uh until next time for cameron bye and ian toodles and paul on the tech and heather who gets these online i've been graham thanks everybody for listening bye